0: You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. This morning, as we talk about things that are new, we're actually going to talk about a couple of things that are old. Did you know that there are some old people in the room right now? There are. Let me show them to you. All the old people, please stand up. I need all the people that are old. Please stand up. Uh, We have a half of an old person. We have not not too far. You're not ashamed of it. Can't stand up. All right. I think you're the leader of the bunch. Okay. So how do you? All right. Just remain standing. This is so awkward. You're like, what are we doing here? All right. So here's the deal. Who's old? Here's who's old. I, I have a very scientific formula. Okay. If you were born before 1967. You're old, stand up, okay? All the people born before 1967, come on, remain standing if you're able. I know some of you are now out of breath and uh, this is a challenge for you this morning. Remain standing if you're able. You say, well, why do you pick 1967? I was born in 1967, so... if you're older than me you're old okay I'm still young so all right just remain standing here for a minute I'm serious okay now listen we're playing around with you a little bit but these are some of the most faithful people in our church I am so grateful from the very beginning when we planted our church there was a wonderful mix of old and young and the old people wanted to reach the young people and so uh, now now I'll also say this there is no virtue in just being old if you're old and grumpy All right, you you don't get congratulated for that, okay? Now, if you're old and godly, there is great virtue in that. Now, the reason I have you stand is we're about to read a passage of Scripture here that is going to introduce us to two old people. And so if you're an old person, you need to be like these people, okay? Now, let me also say this. These two old people are going to teach us a very important lesson, four very important lessons about waiting, You see, the longer you live, the harder it gets to wait. And if you don't wait properly, you don't just grow old, you grow grumpy. So we're trying to prevent old grumpy people, okay? So you can sit down. Now I need to see all the young people. All the young people can stand up now. Notice how quickly the young people stand up. All the young people. Come on, if you were born after 1967, we need you to stand right now. Just stand up. We want to see you here. I'm grateful that we have a church that has young people. Some people say that young people are not interested in Jesus. We have a church that proves that wrong. And uh, we've got some really young people right over here, this section right over here. Now listen, if you're a young person, here's the temptation for you. A temptation to you, for you is to think that church is for the old people. The temptation for you is to think that you've got so much time left that you can wait before you get serious about Jesus. And what we're going to learn from these two old people in the Bible is waiting too long is dangerous. So you don't want to make that mistake. You need to be like the old grump, the old godly people. Don't be like the old grumpy people, but old, old godly people. That's the people that we're going to become because in a few years, guess what? You're going to be part of the older crowd and those people that stood earlier, they're not going to be here anymore because they're gonna be dead. All right, but you're gonna be in the old crowd, okay? So then there's gonna be a new crowd after you, and so you gotta set the peace. All right, aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Happy New Year. All right, everybody sit down. All right, I told you we're gonna talk about things that are new, things that are old. And so let's read the scripture here and uh, get familiar with uh, these two old people. And uh, we're gonna begin in Luke chapter two. We're just following right after the Christmas story. Let's begin in verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. Why was he called Jesus? Because the name was given to him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law, do you see the word law there? You're going to see that word four different times in this passage. According to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Why did they do that? because they were law keepers. And in Leviticus chapter 12, we are told that on the 40th day, a newborn baby is to be brought to Jerusalem for the purification. Jesus is now 40 days old. Mary and Joseph were good law keepers and they brought Jesus to Jerusalem. Now remember they were back in Nazareth, that was a day's journey up in the northern part of Israel, so they had to make this trek for those of you that feel like it's dangerous to bring 40 day old babies to church. you just you need to be more like Jesus here, bring them to church. It's okay. We got germs, they had germs. It's, it's, an, it's an immunization thing. okay you expose them to germs early they don't get sick later. Just a little public service announcement there in church. Um, By the way, I'm a little under the weather this morning. I I have a bit of a cold, and so my voice will be degrading through the sermon, but the sermon gets better, okay? So I'm not bothered by it. I don't want you to be bothered bothered by it. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Where is that written? That's written in Exodus chapter 13, verse nine. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice. Underline the word sacrifice. So here, Mary and Joseph are coming with Jesus to offer a sacrifice. According to what is said in the law of the Lord, what what was the sacrifice they brought? They brought a pair of turtle doves. On the 12th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave, what'd they bring on the second day of Christmas? two turtle doves. Where'd that come from? Oh, that came from right here. He said, what's the deal with turtle doves? All right. So listen, remember they want to be law keepers. And Luke is including this to help us understand Jesus kept every law. Not only did he keep every law, he fulfilled every law law. That's the reason why we don't have to take our babies to Jerusalem on their 40 day birthday for our purification is because Jesus fulfilled that law. Now, what's interesting about this, if you think, if you know how the story ends, here comes Mary and Joseph bringing baby Jesus to the temple and bringing a sacrifice of these two turtle doves. Why did they bring these two turtle doves? I thought you were supposed to bring a lamb. Well, here's the provision in the Old Testament law. If you were impoverished, if you were economically disadvantaged, there was a provision for poor people who couldn't afford to bring a lamb, they brought two turtle doves because they were cheaper as a sacrifice. Little did they know that as they brought Jesus, they not only brought two turtle doves, they were bringing a lamb. The first time Jesus came to Jerusalem, into the temple, Mary and Joseph needed a sacrifice. The last time Jesus came to Jerusalem, into the temple, he would become their sacrifice. And so this is a wonderful picture of what Jesus was doing to fulfill all of the Old Testament law and to become the true and better sacrifice, the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. That's just a little side note. Now in verse 25, we're introduced to this old guy named Simeon. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Waiting. Underline the word waiting there in verse 25. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. Let's stop right there and talk about Simeon for a little bit. This is all we really know about Simeon is we know that Simeon had waited for a long time. And the older you get, the longer you have to wait. Now, Simeon was was exactly the type of man that the Old Testament was intended to build. If you understood properly all the law and prophecy of God that's in the first three quarters of our Bible, all of that was intended to build a man who was righteous, devout, communing with the Spirit of God, worshiping at the temple, and anticipating the Lord's Christ. And so Simeon was, Simeon was exactly the man the Old Testament was designed to build, a man of anticipation. Now here's what we're gonna learn from the life of Simeon, these four lessons. First of all, waiting is the unavoidable reality of the Christian life. If you cannot wait, you cannot be a Christian because waiting is the unavoidable reality of the Christian life. Now, those of you that were of the younger generation, there are so many things available to you in our contemporary culture that help you not have to wait. I mean, there were days that the people of the older generation, when we went to Disneyland, there was no such thing as fast pass. You just had to wait. Um, all those little cell phone technology things that you have right there. We went to Cedarville or Cedar Point last summer and we, you know, we wanted to wait, we, we wanted to get on the best roller coaster which always has the longest line. So Steel Vengeance has a 90 minute wait. And so about 13 minutes into the wait, I noticed that we're surrounded by these teenage guys. The only thing is you were required to leave your cell phone in a locker before you got on the ride. And so these teenage guys, 13 minutes into the wait, it's like the oxygen supply had been cut off. They had no idea how to wait without being entertained by some external source of entertainment there. We don't know how to wait anymore. Um, We have HOV lines and TSA pre-check and early bird boarding, you know, for our flights now. Now, by the way, how many of you understand it is a sin to drive slow in the left lane? Does everybody understand that? That will send you to hell faster than so many things. Do not drive slow in the left lane. Get over to the right so that the people who want to drive fast can get around you and get, we don't know how to wait anymore, okay? Now listen, if you are a Christian, you are signing up to wait. Simeon had learned how to be righteous and wait for the promise of the Lord's Christ to be fulfilled. Every day Simeon woke up and went to the temple. Do you know what he was expecting to see? He was expecting to see Christ. How many days did he have to wait? How long did Simeon have to wait? And yet he had this promise from the Holy Spirit. You will not see death until you see Christ. That's a great promise. He's like, man, I'm like Iron Man until I see Jesus. I'm indestructible. I'm immortal until I see Jesus. So this guy, he was a great example of how to wait as a Christian. And so waiting is the unavoidable certainty of the Christian life. And he uses it. What was he waiting for? He uses a word here. It's the word consolation. Do you see it there in verse 25? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We don't really use that word consolation much anymore. I remember when I used to play like Pee Wee baseball and Pee Wee basketball. Um, we'd have these all day jamboree tournaments to kick off the season. How many of you were ever part of these Pee Wee jamboree tournaments? And do you remember it was a lot of times it was double elimination? So you had the winner's bracket, and as long as you kept winning, you got to be in the winner's bracket. But if you lost, you had to go into the consolation bracket. The consolation bracket was for all of the loser children (laughs) who had remedial athletic skills and weren't winners. And we felt sorry for these children, so we created this consolation bracket where you got a second chance to be a winner. If you are a Christian what you have admitted is this. You're a loser. You haven't won the fight against sin. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're certainly not godly enough. And so somehow by the choices of your life, you've gotten into the loser's bracket. Now there is no hope unless God has set up a consolation bracket. And so Simeon recognized, I need consolation. I need comfort. I need compassion. I'm not a winner. I'm a loser. Jesus comes to the losers and Jesus came for Simeon. And so that's our only hope is that God would have consolation. God would have comfort on all the losers until you admit you're a loser you will never recognize your need for consolation. Waiting is the unavoidable reality of the Christian life. There's people here, when you think back to 2018, you lost, that was not one of your finest years. You may have lost money, you may have lost a job, You may have lost a relationship, you may have lost reputation, someone you loved. Here's the good news for every Christian, The new year brings new opportunity for consolation. If you have experienced grief and heartache and you feel like God has forgotten you, if you feel like, it's like, how long do I have to wait? You need to learn the lesson from Simeon. When you become a Christian, you're signing up to wait for consolation. Now, Simeon was waiting for the first coming of the Lord's Christ. You and I are waiting for the second coming of the Lord's Christ and we should wait with the same sense of anticipation that Simeon did. Here's the second point. Waiting builds anticipation for Jesus' second coming in the same way that Jesus came at the exact moment in time to meet Jesus, to meet Simeon for consolation. He is coming again at the exact moment for us. And we have to wait. When um, Last week when um, Andrea and our family, we, we had a little Christmas vacation and had a little place down in Florida that we got to go to for a week, took the whole family down there. But we had to drive to Chicago and catch a plane to get down there. And so uh, we flew Southwest and you know, Southwest they don't assign you seating. You just have to fight for a seat. And if you're not the first in line, you get in the back of the line, you have to wait for everybody else to get the good seats. And then you get on the plane. Well, when, when I boarded the plane, you just kind of have to look for the first available seat. And so I took the first available seat. And when I sat down, the, the lady that was in the aisle, you have to sit in the middle when you're a loser. Um, I mean, you have to sit in the middle when you're a loser. The lady that was sitting in the aisle, um, I had, unfortunately, I had to ask her to, to get up so I could get in my seat. And she, I noticed immediately she was old. I mean, not like you're just typical old, like ancient old, okay? Um, and, but she, she had some mobility. She was able to kind of get out and, and I moved in. I apologized. And uh, as I sat down... We got in the flight and as soon as the plane got up in the air, she got up and she moved out in the aisle and she started doing exercises. And she looked at me, she was a little embarrassed, but she said, I'm sorry, my doctor told me I have to do this or I will get a blood clot. And I'm like, if you get a blood clot in a plane, you die. Like this late, you're about to die because you're old. And, and she, she, she did her little exercise, she sat down and then she leaned over to me and she said, I'm a hundred years old. I said, really? And I knew I was getting ready to preach this passage. I'm like, we got to take a picture. So I pulled out, and we took a selfie. Here's the selfie. All right, so, so this is Beatrice and Beatrice is a hundred years old. And I'm like, I can't waste this opportunity. I want to learn what a hundred year old lady thinks about life. And so I started asking her questions and she told me her thoughts about Trump. Uh, she's not a fan. Um, She really liked Bernie. And um, so I started to ask her, like, well, what do you, what would you say is like, you know, some of the issues that need to be solved in our world today? And she said, oh, I think the number one issue is economic inequality. So she talked about that for a little while. And I said, well, you know, I, I wouldn't disagree with that, but I think that there's some underlying issues that are actually spiritual issues that contribute to a lot of the things that we see. And I shared my testimony and she said, what do you do? And so I got to tell her, I was like, well, I tell people about Jesus and pastor this church. And, and when I brought up Jesus, I could tell she kind of got reserved and she was really uncomfortable talking about Jesus. She didn't want to talk about Jesus. As a matter of fact, she changed the subject and she said, well, tell me about your children. I'm like, okay. So I pulled out my phone. I said, well, this is Brooke and she leads worship of Jesus at our church. And this is Zach and he's studying to be a pastor so he can tell people about Jesus and I went down the line. I finally got to, to um, Scott and I was like, oh, this is Scott. And he's been a part of our family for four years. And he was living in a homeless shelter. He was, he was impoverished and. Some experienced economic inequality. So you know, we read this verse and Jesus said, you know, the way you treat the least of these is the way you're treating Jesus. And so we just invited him to be a part of our family. And well, that's the way we kind of solved his economic inequality problem. So anyway, um, I, just, I wanted her to know Jesus. Um, and unfortunately, she, she's, and, unless Jesus opens her eyes, she's going to see, see death before she sees Jesus. And I don't want you to see death before you see Jesus. And my prayer is if you haven't seen Jesus, that by the end of this service you would. Behold, there is a consolation for losers like you. And if the older you are, the less time you have, likely to choose Jesus. Now, if you have chosen Jesus, You still have to wait for Jesus. So, Simeon gives us a great example of of how we live waiting for Jesus. Now, I trust that you have met Jesus, I trust that you have been saved. Okay? Have you been saved? Been saved, you've been saved. All right. If you haven't, you need to be saved. All right. So here's the deal. That may have happened when you were five years old in Vacation Bible School. You heard about Jesus. You surrendered your life to Jesus. You confessed your sin. You embraced Jesus as Savior. For some of you, that may have happened when you are forty years old. But at whatever point you choose Jesus, that is not the finish line of your salvation. That is the starting line of your salvation. As Christians, we live in between the starting line of our salvation and the finish line of our salvation. It is appropriate to say, I have been saved. What you're saying is, I have crossed the starting line of my salvation. Now as a Christian, I live in between. I have not only been saved, I am being saved. Does that mean I have to get saved every day? No, it just means that I sin every day. I need a savior every day. And if Jesus ever stops saving me, I'm toast. So I'm saved at the moment of my starting point, when I repent of sin, put faith in Christ. I am being saved every day in between. But we are all living in anticipation of the finish line where I will be saved fully. And finally, one day I will meet Jesus in the same way that Simeon met Jesus. That will be at one of two points. Either when you die, and I'm looking at some of you, you don't have a whole lot of time left, okay? Or when Jesus returns, AND THE SCRIPTURE TELLS US HE'S GOING TO RETURN TO THAT SAME SPOT IN JERUSALEM AND HIS FEET WILL HIT THE EARTH AND SET UP A NEW HEAVEN AND NEW EARTH AND HE WILL REIGN SUPREME. THE QUESTION IS, HAS HE BEEN YOUR CONSOLATION? IF HE HAS NOT YET BEEN YOUR CONSOLATION, HE WILL NOT BE YOUR CONSOLATION THEN. IF HE HAS NOT BEEN YOUR SAVIOR for your sin. In that moment, your time of opportunity is over. Don't wait too long to choose. Now, what would happen if those of you who are Christians came to church this morning with the same level of anticipation that Simeon went to church that day? And he went to the temple thinking Holy Spirit said, I'm not dying until I see Jesus. So I'm looking for him because I'm looking old and I'm not sure I've got enough time. When, is, is Jesus here today? He's looking around. He's looking Did you come to church with the same level of anticipation, looking to hear from Jesus, looking to see Jesus at work, experiencing Jesus, worshiping Jesus? The question is, what should we do while we wait? We should live with the same sense of anticipation. Now there's another character in the story that tells us how to live while we wait. And we pick up her story in verse thirty. Six. Skip down to verse 36. And this is what we read. There was a prophetess named Anna. Now the word prophetess, prophet just simply means one who speaks for God. And she spoke a lot about God. She's spreading the news about God. She loved God. She's always talking about God. So she's considered a prophetess. There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Samuel of the tribe of Asher and she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin." Now, Luke is so practical and he's so exact with his chronology and his geography. There's so much packed in there. Look at the next verse, it says, "'Then she lived as a widow until she was 84.'" So she's 84 years old. Or if you notice, there's a footnote there in the ESV translation. You skip down, it says it could be translated, she had lived as a widow for 84 years. So if you take 84 and you add the seven years that she was married, carry the one, 94 If she was like 15 when she got married, it's like she's like 109 years old and she's coming to the temple to worship. You never get too old to worship. Don't ever stop worshiping. Now, there's one other little fact here that if you were speed reading through the Bible, you wouldn't pick this up. When I saw this, it blew my mind. It tells us who her father was and it tells us what tribe of Israel she came from. She came from the tribe of Asher. 700 years before this, the tribe of Asher turned its back on God and was a part of the Northern Kingdom that set up a substitute temple in the North where they offered not a lamb as God had provided, but a calf because the leader of the northern kingdom didn't want people going back to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices to the true and living God. He created a whole new false religion, turning their back on God and breaking off, and as a result, Of them rejecting God, God rejected them. That tribe of Asher and those 10 northern tribes, they were taken captive by the Assyrian kingdom. And today we call them the 10 lost tribes of Israel because essentially they were assimilated into the world because they turned their back on God. But notice what Luke is telling us. Anna was from the tribe of Asher. And somehow, some way, God had orchestrated the events to take someone out of the tribe of Asher to return back to the original temple in Jerusalem. God always has a remnant. You know what the lesson is? No matter how dumb the decisions of your ancestors were, there's hope for you. If your ancestors turned their back on God and lived in rebellion to God, there's still a place for you to come and meet Jesus. He is still the consolation to be offered to those who have strayed from the relationship they once had with God. And God brings Anna back to meet Jesus at the place where they should have been all along. She was from the tribe of Asher and she was old. And I also want you to notice this. She teaches us this, waiting has a way of revealing what you are really looking to for salvation. It tells us Anna was a widow. For eight decades, she'd been a widow. Anna was a loser. She had lost the thing on earth that she had loved the most, her husband. Do you know the longer you live, the more disappointments you will have? The longer you live, the more you will experience loss. You may be a widow and lose a spouse. The older you get, you begin to lose physical strength. You begin to lose mental strength. You begin to lose your influence. You begin to lose earning power. And what that does is reveal where your confidence really lies. Is your hope for consolation in your ability to perform things in your own strength Or is your consolation found when you are at your weakest, you find Jesus to be sufficient. Anna had every reason to be old and grumpy. She had lost her husband. Can you imagine some of the conversations she had had with God about that? God, if you love me, why did you take the one I love the most? God, if you love me, why don't you provide a husband for me to take care of me? And so Anna, rather than get bitter at God, what does she do? Notice how she responds. She's already at the temple. And the reason is she loves Jesus that much. Look at verse 37. Then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple. She didn't depart from the place of worship. She didn't depart from gathering with other worshipers mark it down. It's the first Sunday of a new year. Why don't you like Anna say, I'm never going to miss a Sunday because that might be the Sunday that Jesus shows up and I don't want to miss him. What if Anna and Simeon had said, I have waited long enough. I'm taking this Sunday off. That would have been the day they missed the arrival of Jesus. Is that the way you come to church? It's like, I can't miss a Sunday. I mean, this may be the day that God shows up. I don't want to miss that. That's the way we should live our lives every single day. She was at the temple. She didn't depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer. She didn't give up talking to God. She didn't give up on her spiritual disciplines. Night and day, verse 38, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. What do we do while we wait? We worship, we pray, we thank God, and we speak of God to those who need to know Jesus is here. The consolation you need is available. And so Anna's a great example of how not to get grumpy when you get older. Waiting has a way of revealing what you are really trusting in. Here's the final thing. Waiting too long to receive Jesus is dangerous. I want you to go back and understand what Simeon did in response to when he met Jesus. Look at verse 28 three simple words. Simeon took him. He took him. Now imagine you're a mother. You are carrying your 40 day old baby into church for the first time. And an old creepy man (laughs) walks up to you and takes your baby. How many of you wouldn't go back to that church? I'm not like, going back to that church. All right. Now listen. Simeon lived in such anticipation that when he got in the presence of Jesus, he didn't want anything between him and Jesus. He wanted to get as close to Jesus. He wanted to he wanted to cherish Jesus. He wanted to hold Jesus. He wanted to get as close to Jesus as he could. That is the attitude of a godly old man. I want to get as close to Jesus as I, I can. And then it says he blessed God because he knew this was the fulfillment of the promise of his consolation. He goes on in verse 29, he prays a prayer, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your words. Listen, in all seriousness, everyone in this room is going to die Not everyone in this room is going to die in peace because not everyone in this room has taken Jesus. Only those who take Jesus as their Lord, as their consolation, as their savior will die in peace. And the reality is someone in this room will be the next person who dies. All of the people that were in the younger crowd, you're like, not gonna be me. It's gonna be some of those old people. I was looking at them. I'm like, some of those people are really close to death. That's probably the oldest person in the room. Surely that's gonna be the next person who dies. Did you know? The oldest person in the room will probably not be the next person who dies. The last person who died in our church was 20 years old. 20-year-old, are you ready to die? Can you depart in peace knowing with 100% confidence that you have taken Jesus, Simeon said, I'm ready to depart in peace because he had fully embraced Jesus. Verse 30 says, my eyes have seen your salvation. And I'm saying to every person in this room, you have seen salvation. Have you taken Jesus, he goes on, that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles? That's good news because that's us, most of us. We're outsiders and he's opened a door, he's opened the eyes for Gentiles to experience the same salvation, the same consolation for Israel has now become the consolation for the entire world and for the glory of your people, Israel. Verse 33, and his father and his mother marveled at what he had said about him and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, there's something you have to see here. Simeon launches into a sermon because he wants Mary and Joseph to see something they may not have yet seen. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. Jesus is the most polarizing figure in human history. And when you meet Jesus, you will either rise or fall. There's no middle ground. If you will not fall before him in humility, acknowledging you are a loser, and you need consolation, he will never raise you to eternal life. If you fail to fall in this life, in worship of Jesus, you will fall forever away from him in eternity. God has appointed Jesus for the fall and the rising of many. If you will fall in this lifetime, he will cause you to rise in eternity over death, over sin, over the grave. But there is no middle ground falling or rising, but no longer waiting. Now, some of you are like, well, I'm, I'm thinking about that. I'm praying about that. I'm, I, one day I think I'm going to get serious about that. No, what you, what you are calling waiting, God calls opposing. And he's giving you this opportunity. He's drawing near to you in the same way that Jesus came to Simeon. He has come today to your heart. Jesus comes to every heart. And what you do with him in that moment will determine whether you fall or whether you rise in eternity. The very next verse says that he says, a sword will pierce through your soul so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I don't know what you're thinking right now, but the thoughts you're thinking right now will be revealed by Jesus. Simeon mentions this sword, it's like Jesus has a sword, 40 days old Jesus has a sword, what in the world? Yeah, it hurts to be told you're a loser. It's like a punch in the face. It's, It's like a surgeon's scalpel that cuts to your heart. Jesus has to do heart surgery to reach in there and grab that cancer and pull it out so that you can rise in spiritual health. Coming to Jesus is painful. It means you have to acknowledge everything else you've trusted in for consolation isn't working and you're a loser and it hurts. But then the hope that Simeon and Anna had is that once you do that, you will have an eternal savior. What are you waiting for? I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. In this moment, I believe Jesus is here by his spirit AND HE IS COMING TO YOUR HEART RIGHT NOW. WHAT WILL YOU DO? WILL YOU TAKE HIM BY FAITH? ACKNOWLEDGE THAT YOU NEED CONSOLATION. YOU'RE A LOSER. YOU CAN'T WIN THE FIGHT. JESUS WON THAT FIGHT FOR YOU. IF BY FAITH YOU WILL RECEIVE HIM, YOU CAN LIVE IN ANTICIPATION OF HIS SECOND COMING WHERE YOUR SALVATION will be full and final on the day of your death or His return. If you need to receive Jesus, just open your heart to Him now and say, Lord, I need your consolation. I'm a sinner, can't do this on my own. If you're already a Christian, why don't you (coughs) re-up in a fresh new way? The older you've gotten, maybe your faith has become stale and you've lost that sense of anticipation. Maybe you're grumpy because of some experienced loss. You can trust Jesus like Anna. Father, thank you that you've sent Jesus to be our Savior. God, make the consolation real. Open our eyes the way you opened Simeon's eyes. Thank you that we have hope beyond death. In a fresh new way, we trust you. In Christ's name, amen.